John Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, and welcome to episode 202, correct? Yes, 202. 202, 202 episodes of Million Dollar Agents. Um, so we spoke about last week, we're going to talk what happens when you've got a listing, you've worked on it for 10 weeks, you then have your CSM or your assistant, or if you haven't got an assistant, you look at it and you say, you know what? This is out of agency in 14 days. Mm. You've done a reasonable That's job. That's your first problem, is you know, <laughs> looking up for not putting your head up earlier. Right. I That's a bit late, isn't it, John? Yeah. Well, you know, exactly, Tom. And, and I was speaking to Troy before, before we got together today about this, sort of just talking through some headline topics. And I think you know, the reality is the decisions that people are making when they're listing their property are not at the listing appointment. They're the last 12 months they've seen you in the market. How do you act at the cafe to the local waitress? How do you act at open for inspections when you don't know they're selling? Um, how are you at auction? How did you look after their friend from work when they were looking to buy? Yeah. Same with it. So let's now go to the listing scenario. Back to the, today's topic is, you know, how have you acted from the minute their pen left the paper of the agency agreement? And I think you know the good news is if you've done everything superbly well, high attention to detail, T's crossed, I's dotted, high energy, you've been proactive, you've been reliable, you've been high communication, there actually won't be a problem when it gets towards time because people don't want to shift from an agent that's done everything possible on the planet Earth. But if two weeks before all of a sudden you start putting a new plan in front of them, and we should talk about what a new plan could look like, but if that's your solution, I mean... Every day, you've got to be calling them. Every, like literally every single day, Tom. Here's an update. You know, you and Sula are okay with it? Is anything I can do for you? Just wanted to let you know what we're doing. I had 24 inquiries on social media, whatever it is. Um, it's it, it's too late when you start panicking about God. I've I've had very little communication. I haven't had an offer. Haven't sold it yet. Two weeks to go. What do I do? So. The first answer is you've got to be doing everything superbly every day. So if you're what if you're listening to this podcast right now and you hadn't been doing that high level servicing and it's two weeks to go, you're sort of saying, John, it's going to be hard. Because well, we'll talk through what could you do because there could be some people in that. Yeah. But I want I want all our, our listeners to see the light that you need to be on your game, always on, twenty four seven, whether you're with a vendor, uh, not not a vendor, anyone. That's where I want to get our listeners to get to that point where they're always on their game. So put that aside. So what, what do you do now? You, you've kind of, you gave it, let's say you gave an initial burst of energy, went to auction, passed in, then kind of the energy faded, which is probably what's, what some of the listeners could be there. That's probably a productive conversation we can have because you can't change the past, but you can change what are you doing today. So I think the thing is, Tom, firstly, you, you must diagnose why has this property not sold? I have mm. a useful belief, I'll steal Chris Helder's term, that every property is saleable on any given day under the right conditions. What are the right conditions? I have a qualified buyer looking for a property like this and I'm at market value. Then therefore, if I've got no qualified buyers and my vendors at market, market value, that's not much good to me. If I've got a lot of qualified buyers, my vendor is 20% above market, that's not much good to me. So usually it's price. Um, if not, it could be presentation. Is there an issue pertaining to this property that's having me lose every second buyer or every buyer? Uh, and then, of course, marketing. You, know, you have to have the right buyers coming to your property. So 
whilst I'm saying this is two or three weeks to go, this should be a conversation in your mind every day. What have I got to do to get this property or get all my listings closer to a sale today? Mm. So at the property, look at, so Troy would be sick and tired of me saying this, but it's around price, presentation, marketing. They're the three key elements. So let's just revisit price. Are we aligned with the market on price? Probably not because it hasn't sold. So what data do I need to present to my client to have the conversation around how do we amend the price in line with market to create competition to allow us to get the best outcome? Then you've got presentation. So what else pertaining to that property? By now, hopefully, you've had plenty of feedback. You've had 10, 20, 30, 150 views, whatever it is, or inspections preferably. What are people saying? Because when someone comes... Nowadays, Tom, you use a great phrase, which is there's no, no blind dates in real estate. By the time someone comes to look at a property with you, they know where it is. They've had a look at Google Maps. They, they could even live in the area. They've had a look at the street view. And they've driven around and they've come to your inspection or, or your appointment. So if... And they like the look of the place because they've probably been on REA and they've had a look at the floor plan. They've looked at all the nice photographs. Hopefully, if you put a video up, they've looked at that. So they kind of know to a degree what they're going to get. Mm. So if there's a problem thereafter, you need to be kind of on top of that, finding mm. out what it is. So is, you know, do you walk in and the energy's not right? Does it need styling? Is it empty? Is it over-furnished? Is it under-furnished? Is there a crack in the wall that's freaking out every second buyer that comes along? What is it pertaining to the presentation that you can deal with? Some things you can't. I mean, you know, we saw one on the weekend, Troy. I don't think you did the auction, but... We did one where I think the previous vendor had died there. Ed, Ed did it, Greendale. Yeah, that was at uh, Longville, right? Greenwich, yeah. uh, and that was kind of like it was a. Hor- so that's all for two hundred over the the reserve yeah. from what I uh, read in the media. It did, Is that yeah. the one? Yeah, yeah. Two million and and it had a horrific backstory to mm. it. You know, you can't change that, right? Um, it, it was very. Uh, I think it was like abomination the way it was presented, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there were some elements there that the only thing that could fix that is price. Mm. Because ultimately, you know, you can't change the, the history of a property. And in some situations, and that was one of them, you can't actually change the way it's presenting. You, the only thing you can do is change the price expectation. But it was a good price in the I'm end. Getting a, John, I'm getting a lot of our uh, gym members telling me they love having this kind of conversation with an owner on price. And that is, Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, I'd rather be priced at a level where I reject five offers than get no offers. Very good dialogue. Um, and... Because sometimes when you get no one, an owner keeps saying, but no one's even come in to, yeah. to have a look at it. You know? At least if you price at a level you're getting offers you're rejecting, there's something to work with, right? Yeah. If you have nothing to work with, mm. so I often say similar thing, Tom, to the vendors and they get upset that there's low offer and I say, look, I've had 12 people through it, I'd be upset at the other 11 because they didn't even want to make an offer. Yeah, yeah. correct. And Because that's a reality. Yeah. Um, so I think sharpening up, and what we've just done, those two little bits of dialogue, we're helping our agents, our listeners, sharpen the saw around this stuff. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to work on all of these things. I think it also comes back to what haven't you done? Like in, when you originally went in and pitched for the property, did you miss something? Mm. You know, um, Peter Chauncey, as we, we, we've spoken about a lot on this podcast, he knows within the first seven days whether the campaign's on track or off track. Mm. By the first two opens, he's having that meeting there. So is that because he has a standard that he's expecting? He has a standard. He has an expectation around the number of inquiries that he gets, the quantity of inquiries online, and the quality of inquiry emailed through requesting contracts attending open for inspections. So I think if So he's got his finger on the pulse. He's got his finger on the pulse. So that would be my first thing. And then the second part of it is, do you actually believe the strategy that you've undertaken is right? Because if you 
are not believing in the strategy, if you're not believing in what the vendor's expectations are, if you're not believing that it hasn't been styled and you haven't done any marketing, enough marketing activities, you need to sit down as a different conversation. Yeah. Because you need to continue to have that belief that it is saleable and the right buyer's there. Well, Troy, it was a great thing you said before about have you done everything possible. And I remember at a coaching session not long ago and the agent said to me, basically, I've done everything possible. Was his, you know, that If I summarised, paraphrased his, his words. And I said, is that real or is that what you're telling me? No, 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 it's real. I've done everything possible. So then I just went through a quick little mental checklist. Yeah. I said, well, I don't remember you ever emailing me to see if you could put it on the homepage of the McGraw website, which increases traffic by 10 times. And I haven't done that. Did you speak to Emma Harris, who is our head of PR? Did you ask Emma if there's possibility against some local marketing? No, I didn't, wasn't sure if this was a good enough property. Okay, haven't done that. Have you given it a boost on social media? No, I haven't done that. And I went through, there was like <laughs> eight things, the first eight things that I suggested, and they weren't out of the box things, they were just slightly off yeah. centre. He hadn't done any of them. Mm. And, he, and, he, and he shook his head and he said, you're right, I need to work harder. Mm. And I need. So... Generally speaking, there's always some more stuff you can do. Hopefully you haven't waited for the last two weeks, which is back to my yeah, original correct. point, because you need to be doing that. I love the idea of Pete Chauncey after a week. And I remember an agent we had who's retired now, but many years ago, and her view was if she didn't have offers by the first Monday after the first open, she was kind of moving gently towards panic mode. Yeah. Because she said, I know my hot buyers, I'm on the phone to them, I'm getting them to or before, before or at the first open for inspection. She said, I'm watching like a hawk. She would stand there at the open and she'd watch the body language of everyone coming in. And she's trying to pick up who's kind of nudging each other and whispering and, you know, getting excited. Well, week one, week two is a sweet zone. I don't think if you're not getting engagement for whatever reason in that first seven to ten days, I think it would be an unmet expectation to expect that they're all going to come in that last you know, if it's an auction week three or week four. You if you're off track week one, you've probably got a problem, right? Yeah. And, unless you adjust. Yeah. So that's where, you know, a lot of people are adjusting price. Yeah. They're going to REA and they're shifting the price guide with vendors' acknowledgement and, and, um, and agreement. So they're, they're saying, look, you know, normally I would get 42, 43 people through or at my opens or inquiries. I've got 12. The 12 felt we were ambitious. I'm suggesting we need to pull our price back by 10% to engage the market at a level that they're comfortable with. So that sort of conversation I think is really important. And I know, Tom, you said before you talked to Mike Tringali about, you know, what else could you be doing? Is it is it styling? Is it mm. restyling? So there are some homes where you, you, you made some recommendations up front, they didn't accept them. You might need to remake those recommendations around, you know. Well, the one, the, the one that he brought up was a case study of a property in the inner west where a lot of the buyers that were coming through would automatically look at it and say, oh, it needs work. And you've got to stand out to win out in this marketplace because there's a lot of properties that now are competing for the yep. eyeballs. And what he did is he said, why don't we try and eliminate that objection? What are they talking about? Us putting a few sleepers in, us tidying up the garden, us actually just doing some styling, Total investment was fifty thousand. Out of the fifty, forty went into renovations and styling, and ten thousand went back into new photographs, yeah, right. new video, and all of a sudden, a new group of buyers popped up. Because I think you can fall into the trap of leaving things as they are in stuck zone. It's like a car that's got a for sale sign on a highway that people just think, oh, it's that 
old car that's been yeah, there that yeah. won't Guess sell. the cobwebs around the, Correct. the, the little thing. The, the other thing that I got from that is, knowing Michael, it would have been specific to that home. It wasn't a cookie-cutter approach with regards to styling. It wasn't just throwing in a couple of lounges and a dining table. Yeah, correct. It was point. actually relevant to that home. And, and I you think, a think lot about of your client and your yeah, situation. Correct. And that's something that I think a lot of people miss. They do the cookie-cutter approach and go, oh, it's a $3,000 styling campaign, and we're going to get the gardener in to mow the lawns, and that's about it. But Correct. knowing Michael, and, he actually and, went through the whole and process. Troy, what, what I'd love our listeners to get into the habit is don't automatically fall on the price reduction is going to solve everything. Because here's a classic situation where you can invest forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 and potentially save a $100,000 price reduction yeah. because what you're doing is introducing a different kind of buyer that's not going to come along and say that needs more work. Mm. We're not talking about big structural extensions. We're no. talking about cosmetics. some cosmetics, yeah. which you know first impressions do um, affect how a buyer perceives a property. So um, I think uh, this has been a good conversation. key thing, though, Tommy, is like, Wrestle from the centre of the ring, as the old wrestling term is. Don't wait until you're about to be pushed out to summon the energy. From I like that. From the moment that you uh, listed the property, put all your energy into pricing, presentation, marketing, and creative. What else can I do? And think about that list. Have you done everything? And then give the vendors an amazing experience. At that point, once you do that, you're not having to have the conversation of, God, I'm panicking, I want to try and get it relisted. Can I convince them? You're just saying to them, look, at this point, the first phase of the campaign hasn't worked to our success. We're adjusting some stuff. What I really need is, you know, sort of a plan for going forward next 90 days. Are you comfortable with letting me handle it going forward? And 99 out of 100 will say yes. I think in the words of uh, Jordan Peterson, the author of The Twelve Rules of Life, he says, one of these rules, fix problems when they're small because they get to a stage where they are very difficult to fix. That can happen with health. Stage yep. one cancer is better than stage four. Yep. A vendor that has got an issue, sort it out nice and early before it becomes unmanageable. Yep. Um, and um, so I, I think what you're saying, Johnny, is that if you tuned into this podcast to actually try and find a quick answer to solve your issue because you spent 10 weeks not uh, too energised the fact that you weren't going to make an easy sale, potentially it's too late. You'll learn from that experience, but there are things that you can do that can actually Tell change. me another, yeah, I, look, I agree. A little thing before we go is is sometimes, you know, it's human nature. Sometimes you can get a little bit tired of and even negative of property yourself because, yeah. you know, you've had 30 people through it and they're all saying negative things about it. So there's two things that I think in that situation you do. One is you can engage a colleague and it could be someone that's joined the firm fairly recently that's got lots of energy but not lots of listings yet. And, you know, sometimes a change of energy around that, bringing in a new person to kind of either work alongside you or head it up. is. And I've often said to a vendor, Tom, I still love the property, but I just think having a fresh energy. Troy's just started. He's come from overseas. He's a dynamic person. I would love to sort of have Troy be the front man going forward. So that's one. The other thing is you can sell the property back to yourself. I would often grab the keys go to a property, you know, if, if the vendor wasn't there or if it was empty or if the vendor was out, and I'd just say, do you mind if I just pop down to the home for a while? And I would spend a little bit of time there reselling it, just looking at the positives because it is easy to sometimes, you know, when someone says negative things to mm. you, you sometimes start believing them. Someone will buy that property. The fact it hasn't sold in the last 10 to 12 weeks doesn't mean it's not saleable. It just means the price is wrong, the presentation is wrong, or we haven't found the right buyer. But someone will buy it. So sometimes you have to resell it to yourself. 
or engage someone else, bring them in. Just a thought. Gold, gold, gold. Troy, good to see you. John, good to see you. You both got your battery uh, extender covers. It's a lifesaver. <laughs> it's a lifesaver. Anyone yeah. that travels, anyone that's on their phone as much as we well, I am. Battery management is an issue for real estate agents <laughs> because what I noticed that um, some of them carry those battery oh, yeah. um, charges with them. Sometimes you notice or they'll plug in at a cafe. Um, it's so good to know. It's a lot easier when you're in the car all the time. You can charge your uh, your phone, but it's when you're actually, you know, maybe traveling. flying or traveling. Yeah. So, guys, great to see Until you. Until next week. Next week. Until next see you week. then. See you guys. Bye.